1: 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strattycast. I am Dale O'Donnell, your host, and this episode I will be discussing that boy, Ronaldo, United coming from behind to beat Omnia and why Anthony Martial must start this weekend against Everton. I'm on my own this week, as you'll notice there's no voice in Sean, no voice in Brian, so so bear with me as, as I try to to reflect on this game without the help of a conversation um as such, but The the game against Omnia, for starters, was a nightmare in the first half. I think everyone's kind of, that's been part of everyone's analysis of the game. The first half was almost a write-off. And what I wanted to touch on was some of the reactions we were getting on social media at halftime. Because I remember tweeting saying, you know, the first half was awful. Um, I was trying not to use any swear words. But but yeah, at that point, I did not feel that Manchester United weren't going to go on to win the game. Now, upon reading some of the reflections on, on Twitter, and I, I must add, it, there wasn't loads, it was just a, a small few people, but they were beginning to kind of show a lack of patience with the manager, um, and this, I guess losing their patience with the manager. And, and just to go back to the point that I made about the game itself, and at half time and regardless of how shit the first half was, I never felt that we weren't going to win the game. I felt we were playing against a bog standard team from Cyprus who playing low block I think they were, they were they were happy just to be at that occasion and they weren't expecting much in the game but I was expecting that their legs would, would wear out they'd start breathing through their arses after 20 or 25 minutes in the first half and we'd eventually cut through them. That's what happened with the help of some substitutions. But by no means do I think this game, we're going to be looking back on it in, in two or three months' time. We got out of there with three points. Performance was, was sloppy. I, I, I think w- what's very important is we, we came out with a game against City, which was a disaster, and we got back to winning ways. And it's crucial that we continue that again on against Everton at the weekend because we need to get back on track in the Premier League. It's absolutely crucial, but... Some of the players too against Omnia really didn't show themselves in great light. Um I mentioned Jaden Sancho on the blog in the past week after the Derby and I just mentioned that he was kind of, you know, too passive in his defending when he was tracking back against City. Paul Scholes mentioned it as well, um, after the Derby that he wasn't carrying out his defensive duties. So I just think he's a player that really needs to wake up at the moment because not only was he terrible in the derby, but you look at someone like Sancho, who we signed from Bristol Dortmund as a real up and coming talent from the Bundesliga, a really exciting player. I still, I still think that about him. But you look at the the game last night against Omnia, Europa League against an average team, and when you have world class players, they don't have to play well, but you can still see glimpses of what they're about. I looked across the wing to Anthony. Didn't have a a fantastic game, but you could definitely see he has a bit about him, a bit of class about him. Sancho did not show anything, anything at all, and games are kind of catching up on him now, I think. It's been two consecutive poor performances. He started the season well and got a few goals to his name, but I just think with players returning from injury, Anthony Martial, and I think Ten Hag finally beginning to get hold of his favourable front three, that Sancho might 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 need to do a bit more. Um, I think he needs to do a bit more. And just on that, Paul Scholes was was on BT Sport after the game, and he said, "I don't think Sancho ever really runs in behind. He is a player that needs somebody to play with. He needs a fast left back if he's playing on the left hand side. He also needs a centre forward to link up with, and he hasn't really got that." But just on that last point, I think. I know you can't reflect too much on what happened during the pre-season tour um, because they were friendlies and players weren't fully fit. But there was definitely signs on the tour of, of Australia and Thailand that with Anthony Marshall in the lineup, up Ra- Rashford and Sancho, they were, they were all linking up really, really well. And I go back to what I said a few moments ago about Ten Hag eventually having his favourable front three together. Now we're going to start to see these players playing together, and hopefully with Anthony Martial leading the line over the coming weeks, Sancho will get another chance, um, and and to prove himself. Because I think what Scholes touched on at the end of that comment is that they hasn't re- that he hasn't really got a centre forward to link up with, and I think that's really true. I that, that is the case. You know, you know, United. You can see the clear difference when we when we start games, which hasn't been many, but when we do start with Cristiano Ronaldo. And then the difference when we kind of start someone like Sancho or, or Martial which we're going to see more of there's, there's, the difference is is night and day and I know T- Ten Hag has been kind of questioned about not starting Cristiano Ronaldo or even leaving him on the bench but I think the people asking um, Eric Ten Hag these questions I think they know the answers themselves um, anyone watching that game against Omnia knows why Cristiano Ronaldo is not getting the minutes that he used to get which we'll eventually get onto in this podcast because Ronaldo's a, a separate talking point. Another point that I wanted to get on with, with the game was I think Malaysia was made out to be a scapegoat last night for the first goal. Overall, looking at how we conceded the goal, I think for starters, United were far too ambitious. The scoreline was nil all, and we had everybody in, in Omnia's half attacking the corner. Secondly, the ball finds its way to Sancho on the opposite wing, now there's a lot of players in the box, and at that point, you don't want Sancho going backwards, never mind passing the ball backwards, and he goes backwards and, 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 and gets involved in a bit of traffic, plays an awkward pass back to, to Malasia, who, look, you could say should do better, I think when he's caught, he should definitely pull down his man and commit the foul, and not allow Omnia to catch United on the break, because we had no one back. And that, I I guess, comes with maturity and experience. And Malisea is a young player we brought in. He's pretty raw. I've been very, very impressed by him. But I think we are going to see games where he he drops in standards because young players do not have that level of consistency yet. But from what I've seen, I definitely don't want to go back to seeing Luke Shaw starting games. And I wouldn't be surprised if Shaw started the weekend, but I'm talking... Week after week, I think Malisea is a better left-back and definitely has, has a high ceiling to become a top, top left-back in the Premier League. But I do think Malisea was meant out to be a scapegoat for that goal. Yes, he didn't cover himself in glory. He should have committed a professional foul at the very, very least. But again, going back to Sancho, needs to wake up. United were attacking, there was players in the box. Do not go backwards. There was no need to recycle possession whatsoever whatsoever, and it caught the rest of the team then as well, but that goal you you cannot concede goals like that it it was too reminiscent to the goal we conceded against um Istanbul in the champions League when they caught us in, when dambaba caught us on the break it, you can never it's inexcusable it's if you're managing an under 12s team at local level that's inexcusable you cannot concede a goal like that, and you train your kids. To to not concede goals like that. But this is happening to Manchester United. In it's recent memory recalling back a, a previous similar episode. Recent memory. So look, there's there's a lot to be said for that goal. I don't think we should be just pinning that on on Malasia, who was I guess he was caught or caught flat footed, but he learned from that. He learned from that. But Sancho I think I expect a lot more from. And just before we wrap it up on on the game itself, I think we have to kind of mention the impact that Rashford and Martial met off the bench. Both of them were absolutely terrific. And it was it was excellent to see because these are players... I think the first goal... Sorry, just before I go on. The first goal from Martial really, really summed it up for me because it came from an amazing ball from Lisandro Martinez, the centre-back, who I thought was really, really good. Especially his passing was fantastic, but... Plays that ball forward to to Rashford who flicks it on Ma- to Martial. Then goes forward, shoots and scores. But if you watch that goal back again, if you go back to last season even, Rashford's not flicking that. Well, he's going to try and flick it, but he's not completing the pass. Secondly, if the ball gets to Martial, he's not finishing it. These players are showing signs that they, whether Ten Hag has put them under their wing, but he's definitely working with them. He's definitely giving them belief. It's something they didn't have a year ago. And it, it's almost reminiscent to the season we finished second under Oli. It's 2019-20 when a front three consisted of Rashford, Martial and Greenwood. And I know Greenwood's not involved. But it's it's nice to see flashbacks of, of good form from Rashford and, and good form from Martial. And Martial, we're going to talk about it a bit, bit later because... I think he really needs to start the weekend against Everton. I think this this form warrants a start. He's after getting a bit more minutes on the pitch from the Derby and then the game off the bench against Omnia, he's ready for a start. And it's not like Ten Hag um is gonna have any problems leaving someone out of the, the line. You know, it's it it's it's quite easy who who you leave out. Um moving on. Speaking about who I think should be left out. Cristiano Ronaldo. I think this is a matter by the way you call it a crisis. A crisis for his career. Because Cristiano Ronaldo probably doesn't accept that his best place right now is on the bench of Manchester United. He, you'd imagine the way Cristiano Ronaldo has been throughout his career. Pushing for the very, very top and pushing for the best and competing at the highest level for so many years. This is probably hard to accept that what's happening right now. I think there's a number of things as well. There's some personal issues, the loss of a child. It's a difficult time for Cristiano Ronaldo for his career. But just to, to touch on a few points, the why I think Eric ten Hag is is actually fading him out, and he has to be very careful how he does this. And we've seen with previous down the years of Manchester United, previous players and big name players when they when they kind of push on. It's not always easy to to push those players out. You look at Roy Keane when Alex Ferguson did it. Ended up with a big fallout. The two of them still don't speak to this day. It's happened with a number of players. And I think touching on the press conference before the game against Omnia, there was a bit of beef which I enjoyed um, with The Guardian reporter Jamie Jackson. Because during the press conference a lot of the journalists were were interested in asking questions about Cristiano Ronaldo at the weekend and being left on the bench and there was a lot of questions. You have to understand where where the, the story is stemming from. They're looking at it from the point of view that Cristiano Ronaldo earns nearly half a million a week and you're benching a player on that kind of money and that's... Why the reporters want to ask Eric Ten Hag the question. Fans watching, we can understand from simply watching 90 minutes of football why Cristiano Ronaldo is not coming off the bench against Manchester City. And I know Roy Keane and the sorts have kind of come out kind of almost in kind of a fanboy manner defending Ronaldo. I can't get my head around that. I can't get my head around it. But Roy Keane, like I mentioned, is also a player who left Old Trafford under a cloud and He almost kind of suggested that things will get nasty. It did for Keane. Sadly, it didn't. You'd you'd hope that it's not the case for, for Ronaldo. But with the bit of beef that Ten Hag had with Jamie Jackson on Wednesday, Jackson kind of said he was confused by Ten Hag's response that he didn't bring Ronaldo off the bench out of respect for his big career. And he kind of put it on Ten Hag that, you know, has kind of the same respect for someone like Martial. It doesn't really kind of add up, you know. Why would you bring Martial off, not show him respect? You know, you're paying someone so much money to win football matches. That, that was the argument. But Ten Hag did not want to give away too much in response. Even though he was being pinned down and asked a question for maybe the the umpteen time, he didn't want to give away too much because, like I said, when you're, when you're fading a player of the personality and the stature of Cristiano Ronaldo, you're going to upset people if you come out guns a-blazing and kind of come out boldly in the press and say, yeah, he's not good enough. That will create more problems, I think. So what Ten Hag kind of said in response was, I think you know why. He didn't give away anything, but he said, I think you know why. And that was interesting because, look... I don't think it's hard to get your head around the fact that Ronaldo is approaching on 38 years of age. He is coming to the end of his career, especially at the top. I think even today, the the, the suggestion that if he was to leave Manchester United, that there would be interest from Galatasaray. Now, Galatasaray aren't even in the Champions League either. So it's it's just more telling. Even in the summer, we had reported interest from Bayern Munich, from, from Chelsea... And uh, Napoli uh, clubs that are in Champions League, but when it came to making a formal proposal to sign Ronaldo, it didn't happen. You know, so were they really interested? Uh, I'm just, I'm just not sure. There's a, there's a question we have in from a listener and, and a contributor to StraightyNews.com, Matt Henderson. Is it over for Ronaldo? I think what I've been just touching on with the suggestions about Galatasaray and the lack of interest really in the summer when he was available. I think that suggests to you that yes, it's over because you look at the wages Cristiano Ronaldo was on and then you consider the age. So clubs in the Champions League, if they were to look at Cristiano Ronaldo, it's a a costly investment for for 12 months while you're in the Champions League. So Napoli, for instance, I don't think it would have been feasible for them in, in the summer and that's why they didn't do it. And then you got clubs, the elite clubs like Bayern Munich and I don't want to say Chelsea, but they won the Champions League in recent years. So you kind of have to, but but, but, they would look at it like Thomas Tuchel didn't want to change his his football style, his style of football to suit a 37-year-old. You know, it's, it's a perfectly logical um, reason for not wanting Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think... I think, you know, it kind of fell into a bit of a trap. And, and the scary thing there is that Ollie was manager at the time, but Ollie didn't have a say in the matter. Um, and and these are things that with a new manager now in Eric Ten Hag, you just hope doesn't happen. Because I don't think t- Eric Ten Hag, 12, 13 or 14 months ago, if he was the manager of Manchester United, would have been happy at, at what happened. Um, I think he would have had a different different you on it to maybe ollie at the time but look there's no cr- point crying over spilt milk so i also want to add as well with what i said about roy Keane's comments and um, a lot of these people coming out defending cristiano ex-teammates and so on seem to be forgetting the disrespect that was shown towards united in the summer because cristiano left united at the end of the season leaving the club under the impression that, yeah, he'd be back and he'd be here next season and fulfilling his contract and what he signed. Then we had it midway through the summer. We had Jorge Mendes making efforts to to manoeuvre and exit and kind of catching United on the spur of the moment. And it was bad timing because at that time, you would have had clubs around Europe would have already known what their targets were for the summer and they weren't going to rip them up for a 37-year-old just not going to happen and the argument is kind of i think it, it it came back to to bite him in the arse and that's why cristiano never went public at the time I don't think he he promised an interview actually if you remember he prom- promised an interview in 2 weeks prior to the, the deadline which i don't think we ever got but yeah look i i think there was disrespect shown towards manchester united he returned on pre-season at the end of pre-season with his agent at Carrington, you know, that was a middle finger to the club, and it was a clear sign, that they were there for talks, so, I'm not really one here, for defending Ronaldo at the moment, I think, I don't think he's covered himself, in a lot of glory in recent months, and, whether you think he's going out on the pitch, and, and doing it for Manchester United, is one thing, but there's a lot of people, that think he's going out on the pitch, and doing it for himself, Um, and, maybe he got away with that, in his earlier years, when he was the best player in the world, but, to go back to Matt's question, is it over for Ronaldo? I think a hundred percent. That game against Omni last night—it was sad to watch it. Sad reality, now, of what has happened. What has happened? But it, no, it, it, is it sad? Yes, it's sad to see a player that you've watched for years at the very top, then go backwards. But this happens every professional. You know, he's he's going on thirty-eight. This happens. Players in. In their mid thirties or even early thirties, Ronaldo's been at the top for so long. So, look, uh, maybe "sad" is the wrong word, but his, his time. His time is over at the top. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in in the summer when he eventually leaves United again. Um, just on the final point, then Martial must start against Everton. I said this a few times early in the podcast that it's a must. It's a must. He's back from injury and he's easily. United's best striker, easily, he's after scoring three goals in his last two games, which were both substitute performances, and I think that's telling of a player who is in the right mindset. Especially when you consider how people have questioned his mindset for so many years, and Riley so, and Riley so, his, his work ethic could be questioned at times. I and mean, I think when Anthony Martial wants to wants to perform, when his head is in the right place. I think he's he's unbelievable and and I've no doubt in my mind that he can lead the line, but it's it's just it, i I think ho- I'm hoping that looking at his age now, twenty six, that he's kinda thinking about a career crossroads. And uh, and Eric Anton had joined Manchester United when he was when he was twenty six as well, so if a French connection there, you'd hope it goes similar ways. But what I'm what I'm saying is he's reaching a point in his career you'd hope. He's going to knuckle down now, listen to his new manager and buy into his ways because if it doesn't work out this season at Manchester United, other clubs that may be interested don't have to look too far to see that he he didn't quite work out at Seville when he went to Spain on a six-month loan last season. So I think this is a crucial time for, for Martial. I think he's shown goal-scoring instinct, that goal he scored with his head against City, to be in that place, to run in after a shot was taken. And to get into the back of the net, so most importantly, these are signs that Martial is firing at the moment. And I think the front three should be, actually, matter of fact, Anthony, Martial, and Rashford. No Ronaldo and no Sancho. I think, see how that goes, I'd be surprised if it didn't work. And I reckon we really, really need to go to to, to Goodison Park and, and to make a statement. but not just with a result. We need to start performing good. He starts showing the kind of football Ten Hag wants, and maybe that's difficult at the moment because we play so many long balls in the back, and we haven't got a goalkeeper who's comfortable to play with the ball as his feet or to come off his line. I and mean, that will come, that will come over time. But right now, I guess it's it's it is most important to get results. But it would be nice to see a good performance under our belt. Um, and I think it's Everton side; they're they're in good form at the moment. They've they're unbeaten in their last eight games, so. It won't be easy. That's it for this podcast. So make sure you subscribe to the Stretty newsletter also, which is available at Stretty.Substack.com.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.